Thanks, uh, thanks for persevering and getting that lit. Um, well, it is, uh, it's good to come together, and uh, it's already been a great morning. We have a shorter time in our study of the Word this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, just go ahead and slip up your hand, and uh, the ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. If you don't own one, just keep the one they're giving to you. But uh, maybe you slipped up the house this morning and forgot it with, you know, as you're wrapping up on your 17 layers. So um, it's warm in here, praise God, right? So... Um, well, we have been uh, studying the book of Genesis since the fall. In the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, stopped on Genesis 3, 14 and 15, as we uh, consider God's promise um, through the lens of the incarnation. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at love. Last week, we looked at joy. And this week, we're looking at peace as we've just had those scriptures read. Just a reminder, if you're uh, here this morning, maybe for the first time, uh, Genesis 1 and 2 uh, speak about the fact that God was the one who created the world that we live in. Uh, he is the one who started it all. Uh, we, we don't have to, you know, wonder about that. Uh, the Word of God has told us that to be the case. And as such, uh, we understand that the world was created very good. In fact, it was perfect. Uh, there was abundant provision in this world. There was an intimacy. We see on day six, Adam and Eve says that they were naked and not ashamed. And there was nothing to hide. There was no sin in this world at that time. It was a, a, a place of provision, a place of abundance. Uh, God had given them one command. That's it. One command. Don't eat from that tree. For if you do, you will die. That was it. That was the only rules they had. They had access to the rest of the world to eat from any tree they wanted to eat from. Uh, they, they, they had abundance. But Satan was able to deceive Eve. He comes in the form of a serpent. And he somehow convinces her. When you think about this, he somehow convinces her that God is still keeping back from her somehow. I mean, think about how perfect that world was. And yet he makes her think that somehow she's, she's missing out. And he puts doubt in her mind. Did God really say, you know what, at the end of the day, God doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because he knows it's going to be better for you. That, that somehow you're, you're, you're going to have more than already you have. And so she is deceived. Adam is with her and together they eat of the fruit. And cur the curse of God comes upon this earth as a result of sin. And we've been suffering with that, being under that curse ever since that time. But here's the wonder of it all. Even after God comes into the garden and gives them an opportunity to repent, even when they have not repented, even when they, Adam blames Eve, Eve blames Satan, God gives a promise of hope even on that day. And we read this in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. It says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so uh, Satan has been going against the people uh, of this earth ever since that time. And there's the promise that there is one who is coming, who will 
defeat Satan, who will free us from our sins. Who is this one? And so we, we have this anticipation from Genesis 3.15 on. You get to Acts, or sorry, Isaiah chapter 9, and we're told that this one will be wonderful counselor. On Christmas Day, there's a message uh, that you will hear on Isaiah 9.6 about who this baby was. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And this is what we want to be reminded of this morning, that peace is is possible on this earth. Now, in Jesus' first coming, it wasn't universal peace. In fact, when, you know, in, in, in the sense that every person on this earth is going to have peace, you just need to look at the last 2,000 years of history to say, it, not a lot of peace. There's, there's people warring against one another. Even today, there are wars on this earth, threats of wars, strife in our relationships. So how is peace possible? And if you think about what sin did, it separated us from God. That's the, the worst problem all of us have here this morning, to be separated from God because of our sin. How is it that I could have peace with God? Well, in the coming of Christ, it says that peace is now possible on whom his favor rests. How is, it to be, how is it that you and I could be made right with God? How is it that we can have peace with Him? I want us to see three different things as we think about this topic this morning. First, we see the deliberate initiation of the Lord. The deliberate initiation of the Lord. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. We had these verses already read this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, but we're also going to look a little bit beyond that. So turn to Romans chapter 5. If you're new here this morning, just a heads up, the pastor has nothing for you, all right? But we believe God's word has something for us. I hope you see that this morning. I'm not, it's not about anything I would say, but we want to be faithful to what the word of God says to us this morning. And here we see the deliberate initiation of the Lord. He made the promise, again, when? On the day when humanity rebelled against him. Before there was any repentance, he made this promise. And then Christ came, and it says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how you and I can be made right with God. It is through one person only, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is only through one way, and that is to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be at peace with God. If you go from Genesis 3 right through to Malachi, there are 400, over 400 prophecies about the one who would come. His name is Jesus. And so we get closer and closer and closer to the time. And, and you would think over that time that things maybe would have gotten better, right? Humanity, they just, they just kept getting better. So that when Jesus came, it was like, you know, people are pretty good by then. Is that, is that the story that we know of from history? Did, did humanity get better and better? No, humanity has not gotten better. From the garden on, we see that there's this inclination for them to turn to sin over and over and over again, to shake their fists at God, to rebel against God. And it's in that environment that, that Jesus came. An environment where, where religious people don't need God. We're so righteous. We're so good. We follow all the rules of God. 
Is that true? No, you did not. And then Jesus, when he's confronting the religious people, he says to me, your hearts are far from me. You can confess with your lips that you're with me, but your hearts are far from me. And then there, in Romans chapter 2, we see that, or sorry, Romans chapter 1, that, that the rest, even though that they know there's God, as we look at our creation, they reject God. And so Romans 3 sums it up, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's to this world that Jesus comes. And so we drop down now to Romans chapter 5, verse 6, and read this. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Thanks, brother. Died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who did Christ die for? Well, just look at these verses. Those who were godless, ungodly that is. Those who were weak, un- no ability, in other, in other words, to turn to God in their own strength. Those who were still sinners. These are the ones that God came for. He initiated this plan of reconciliation. And in doing so, he pays the ultimate price. He gives his life for you. The more the gift costs the giver and the less the recipient deserves it, the greater the love is seen to be. There has not been a greater chasm, right? The cost... Eternal God, becoming baby, laying down his life. For who? People who would spit in his face, literally, and that's what they did. There was no, uh, uh, no humanity moving towards God. The only thing that we did in moving towards God was say, crucify him. There, there, was, there, was, no, there was no love towards him, and yet he still came and died. MacArthur says this, Sure, maybe somebody would die. Sorry, when we were powerless to escape from our sin, powerless to escape death, powerless to resist Satan, and powerless to please him in any way, God amazingly sent his son to die on our behalf. When it comes to salvation, the only thing that you contribute is the sin that makes it necessary. I like the way it's put here. You know, for a good person, someone might die, but that's not this story. That's not this story. Not not one. Not one is good. We've all rebelled against him. So how is it that we could be justified? And the word for justification is to be declared righteous. If you're being honest here this morning, you'd be like, uh, that's not me. I'm not righteous in any way. I've fallen short of what God would call for me. So how is it that I could be justified? Verse 9, Since therefore you have now been justified, how? By His blood. Much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. It is through Christ's sacrifice upon the cross that you and I are saved. It is through His blood being shed for our sins that we are purified, that we are forgiven. And anyone who places their faith in Christ is forgiven their sins and saved from the wrath to come. 
One day, every man, every woman, every, everyone who's ever lived on this earth will stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords, and they will give an account of their lives. And if you have placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God that was due you, and you know it, that was due you, has now been passed to Christ upon the cross. He suffered your wrath in your place. If you've not placed your faith in him, then the wrath of God falls upon you. This is what the word of God tells us. God has saved us. He is saving us and he will save us. He says in verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have, we have a relationship with the Lord God now through Jesus Christ. If you are in your sin, if you have not repented of your sin, regardless of what you think, you are an enemy of God. Well, no, no. Like, I, I pray to God. Like, I, I talk to Him. Like, you know, we're okay. The Bible says you're not okay. If you're not in Christ, you're not okay. You are an enemy of him. But note, through Christ, we can be reconciled to God. And so we are. Who initiated all this? Do we see this? On the day we rebelled against him, humanity rebelled against Hey, I promise I'm going to send someone who will save you. His name will be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Any, any married people here? Okay. It's good. It's good. There's some good marriages, right? It's good. I'm just going to give a scenario that may have happened in your marriage. You had a conflict of some kind. The spouse you're married to sinned against you. And your thought this time is this. You know what? I'm done. I'm done being the nice guy. When they're ready to own their sin, then we'll be able to talk. Then maybe we can be reconciled. If they're willing to own up to everything they've done and sinning against me, then I will forgive them. But until then, we're not talking anymore. We're done. You've sinned against me too bad. Aren't you glad God's not like us? Because he didn't do that. We had sinned against him. And, and guess what, spouses? You always own a little bit of it, right? In any conflict, you may be 98 to 2 this time, perhaps. But it usually takes two, right? And so, in this case, though, it was 100% versus zero. God is perfect. And instead of waiting for us to get our act together, he knew we never would. But he loved us anyway. And he sent his son so that we might have peace with God. So good of our God. Which should be our response? Well, we see it in verse 11. Rejoice. <laughs> Rejoice in your salvation. Worship him. Go to God and say, God, I am so 
thankful that you saved a wretch like me. You don't have to think long back to say, I am a wretch. I am someone who still, even after I have been made a child of God, who's been given his Holy Spirit, who's been given his word, I still at times do what I ought not to do. I still believe the lie that by sinning, I'm going to be better off. Still. And yet, God, you sent your son that I might have peace with you, that if I would repent of my sin and place my trust in you, that you would declare me righteous. Like, I praise you, God, that this isn't a temporary thing. How long is this peace with God? For all of eternity. Why? Because it's not based on anything you do. It's based on him and him alone. Because he is the one who paid all of your debt on the cross. Both your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins have all been paid for at the cross. In exchange, Christ gave you his perfect righteousness. This is how you're declared righteous before him. And so we can only praise him. And we ought to praise him and long to serve him in all that we do. Where are you this morning? Do you have peace with God? If you don't, I want you to know it's not too late. This brings us to our second point, the gracious invitation of the Lord. The gracious invitation of the Lord. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Here we're going to see the invitation is not only for those who are not yet saved, but there's a gracious invitation given to those of us who are saved as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, Paul is saying you can be reconciled to God. How? Through him who knew no sin. Who is that? Jesus. He knew no sin. But God made him to be sin. In other words, he put my sin, your sin, upon Christ on the cross so that we might have the righteousness of God. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope for every believer here this morning, and this is the hope for you this morning if you're not in Christ yet. Some of you believe that you're good enough. You don't need the cross. You don't need Christ. You think that, that, that you know, you haven't murdered anybody. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I... I throw some things in the Salvation Army thing when they're, you know, jingling. And, you know, I, I volunteer at a soup kitchen every now and then. And, you know, I'm good to my neighbors and loving father. And, like, I'm good to go. You know, if I die today, for sure, I'm going to heaven. 
What does it take to be judged and go to hell for all of eternity? One sin. Just one. That's all it takes. And so if you sin just once, you're not good enough. You've fallen short of what you needed. This is why Christ had to come. This is why this morning we say with Paul, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to him this morning. Accept his free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Have the best Christmas that you could ever imagine by receiving eternal life through Christ today. I don't know what trinkets you've bought for Christmas this year, right? But it's going to fade away fairly quick, right? It, It might last a few months, but it's going to be gone. But if you put your faith in Christ today, that is an eternal gift that no one can ever take away from you. And so this morning, be reconciled to God. If you're an unbeliever, today, today, stop, stop, Believing the lie that sin is best. It's not. It will destroy you. Both in this life and in the life to come. Second invitation is to you and I who have already put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. We get to be ambassadors for the King of kings and Lord of lords. We get to do the ministry of reconciliation. MacArthur notes this word for ministry It's like the waiter. It's to serve. I have that kind of picture. We are waiters to the world with the gospel, offering it to anyone and everyone who will listen. We get to say, hey, the one who created you, he's made a way that you can have peace with him. He's done it through Jesus Christ. Right now we're celebrating Christmas and you know, maybe you think it's about Santa Claus and gifts and all that kind of stuff, but, but, but we, we celebrate Christ this Christmas, the, the baby who came, that we might have life, that we might, we, we might have peace with God. Do you know him? This, this is prime time. I say this is prime time not just because it's Christmas time. That is true. People tend to be more open in our society to hear about religious, they'll call it religious things during this season. But I think it's prime time because the world is seeing that everything is messed up. And they're hopeless right now. And they get together, they like, you know, they'll trumpet all their little beliefs and stuff like that. But inside they're dying. And we have hope. And so can I just encourage you, can I just kind of pour fuel on the fire of that which you already know, believer? Go this week and share with as many people who will hear Invite them to our Christmas Eve service. And may they see that the message that we give is true by the way that we care for one another. See, we get peace with God, but we also get peace with each other as a result of what Christ has done. We heard earlier Ephesians 2 read about the fact that the wall of hostility that used to divide us is no longer there. 
May they see our love for one another as they come in here. Like, oh, I didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't know those, those people could get along. Like, there's, there's, there's some white hairs here, and there's some little ones here. There's, there's, there's people from this ethnicity and this ethnicity, and yet they just all love one another. It's like everything that once divided them is now gone. And they have this love and care for one another. How is that possible? It's a testimony to the fact that we can forgive because we have been forgiven. And so, be ambassadors for him this week. Let us not tarry. Let us not hold back on this because this is our last point. The time is short. We see this certain intention of the Lord. This certain intention of the Lord. What are you talking about, Pastor? It seems like you were trying to stretch the eyes here a little bit. Okay, well, maybe. Perhaps. When I mean intention, I see that, and, and I talk about certainty, this will happen. That, that, Roman, sorry, that Genesis 3.15 promise wasn't just to save us, but it also meant a fatal blow to Satan. You know, like, it doesn't seem like he's dead yet. Well, it's coming. It's coming. And the only reason that it has not happened yet is because God is using you and I and believers like us all over this world to proclaim peace to the world before Christ comes and finishes the job. Because when he comes and finishes the job, we read in Romans 16, 20, this is what will happen. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace, I mean this sentence right here. The God of peace is going to crush Satan. I was like, well, that seems like that's kind of peace and crushing. It seems like they're opposite. Well, what does God know? There will be no true peace on this world, in this world, until Satan is gone. And so he must be crushed. And, and, and it's just a matter of time. The, the, the greatest battle has already been done. I like how Stott puts it. Satan has already been decisively defeated, but he's not yet conceded his defeat. And so he's trying to deceive as many people as he can. Even today, he's working in this room trying to deceive you. Don't listen to that preacher. Don't listen to what he has to say. You just keep holding on. You don't have to have that as a crutch in your life. You know, you, you're a good person. You know, whatever the lies are that he's trying to give you. But he will be crushed. And the wrath of God will be poured out on, on all ungodly people. It says in Revelation 20, 9 and 10, And they, the enemies of God, marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, and the fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown in to the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Judgment's coming. Satan will finally be defeated, and all who follow him will spend all of eternity apart from God. In brutal circumstances. A place that we would not wish upon our worst enemies. And so let us have fuel. 
under, under, our, under our souls this week as we go out. Let us, let us be quick to tell people about the fact that they may be, come to peace with God before he returns. Let us take joy in the fact that though we fight these principalities, the powers of the air, every day Satan's trying to come against you, that someday he's going to be crushed under your feet. Isn't that like, oh, that's pretty cool, All right? That's going to be a sweet day, All right? It's coming. It's coming. It may be tomorrow. It may be a week from now. We do not know. But in the meantime, let us spread this message of peace. And again, one more time, if you're not in Christ today, we implore you, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for your love, for your peace towards us. Lord, it's only possible because you initiated it. And Lord, I would pray that everyone here knows what peace is because of what Christ has done. They have peace with you, they have peace with their brothers and sisters in Christ, and they have peace within, knowing that you are with us. What a, what a rich gift, Lord, you have given us. Lord, may we never cease praising you for it. And God, if there be anyone here today who has still not yet bowed the knee before you, has not repented of their sin and placed their trust in you, God, today... Would there be the day of salvation for them? God, we know it's possible. We've heard of these testimonies already today of what you can do in a life. Lord, we pray, would you do it in their life today? It's for your glory. It's for your honor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and praise the Lord together.